What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Today, I am joined by my wife. What's up, guys? And as you can tell, we had to put a little bit of hood intro music on because my wife is hood. Um, anyway, I wanted to bring her on because in the first episode, you know, we kind of touched on some of the stuff about her, but I really wanted to dive in on uh, on her history and how she got into where she's at now and what she's doing. And uh, But before we dig into that... Uh, women of the industry uh shop technicians field technicians if you want to be on the the podcast we'd love to have you on i'd we definitely want to have a a woman's perspective of things what do you think i think it'd be interesting to see both sides of the the uh gender scale here Mm -hmm. well let's let's talk about you a little bit if you if you guys listen to the sweat and grime podcast you kind of got the the gist of her whole history but uh if you didn't we're gonna go ahead and cover it on this because uh homegirl's got a little bit of a interesting background and how she ended up here we have no idea i figure we can dive maybe a little deeper and a little more in depth than we did in sweat and grime though they did a really good job putting together one yeah, and there might be some shit talking. <laughs> we'll keep it very professional if we do shit talk, but I will shit talk. <laughs> but y'all know who you are. Uh, I guess, how far back do you want to go? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, grew up in a really small farm town in Northern California. It's about an hour north of Sacramento. Lived there primarily most of my life. Um, mm-hmm. Went to high school there, did all the fun things. I was an athlete growing up, swam competitively, and I uh, rode horses. Ugh. <laughs> it's the bane of your existence, isn't it? Fuck horses. But uh, after that, I went to college uh, down in Fresno, and I originally went to college to be a veterinarian, and I uh, took a biology class that just absolutely kicked my ass, and uh, I really hardcore reevaluated my life at that point because... I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew my whole life I'd wanted to be a veterinarian. And, you know, I realized that, oh, man, this is going to be a lot harder than I expected it to be. So um took a step back, still stayed in college, did my core classes that you have to do in college, you know, to get your grades if you want to just get a regular, like, associate's degree or whatever. Um, and then I decided I was going to go into uh animal science for livestock business management with a specialization Mm. in equine and cattle. So that pretty much just meant I had a business degree in agriculture (laughs) to make it all sound fancy there. Um, But I also took pre-law. I'd realized I'd taken a ag law class and real ag Law class. Oh, law. I thought you said ag law. No, ag law, you dark. Ag law. <laughs> An ag law class um, and realized that I really liked law and it really called to me. So my original plan out of college was that I was going to uh, go to, like, I think it was Berkeley or Oregon. Those were my two top choices to go to law for environmental law. Um, and I wanted to do law for the side of the farmer. A lot of people don't realize in California, at least there's a lot of water. 
sorry, water regulations there. Um, So I wanted to fight for farmers and farmers' rights, water rights, everything like that. Um, Graduated college and looked to do law school and looked how much it cost. And both of my parents said, yeah, we agreed that we would help you for your bachelor's degree, but uh, we're not helping you after that. So (laughs) um, (laughs) law school was going to cost me like $150,000. And at that time, I didn't really have a job. I mean, well, okay, I lie. I had a job. I worked at Napa Auto Parts. Okay. I I ran parts. I was a parts runner. Um, and I realized that that probably was not going to be feasible to actually go to law school with. So I said, never mind, forget it. I guess maybe it's not in the cards right now for me to go to law school. Mm-hmm. So I went and worked at a horse breeding farm down in Kingsburg, California. And, uh, that was my most favorite job I think I've had to date. Not saying I don't like my current job, but when I left that job at the end of the breeding season, I told my boss that I probably would work there for free every day because <laughs> I liked it so much. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people with their minds in the gutter when you say you worked at a horse breeding farm. So you, is there anything that... Uh, <laughs> the facial expression how, you're giving yeah. me explains it perfectly. Okay. Yes, for everyone that has their minds in the gutter. Yes, I did help collect stallions. I did breed mares <laughs> and I Ew. did full out baby horses. I did it all. I've seen it all. Yes. There you go. There's your answer. <laughs> Gross. But uh, I did that. And then I went home and I worked with my then boyfriend for a short while. Worked in the Amund. 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 It's Amunds. Oh, okay. So <laughs> no, uh, no, for no. those of you who hear this episode, I would like you to message me on the gram or wherever you want to want Almonds. Do you call them almond or do you call them almonds? Let me explain the reasoning though behind this it. This is the stupidest reason. No, it is so not. How do you say salmon? Do you say salmon? Salmon. No, yes. no, no, you do not kidding. say salmon. Thank you very much. So they are almonds on the tree. And then they get the hell shaken out of them with a shaker. The L shaken out of them and they become almonds. You're stupid. I no. swear to God. No, no, no. That so- is the dumbest thing. <laughs> Okay, anyways, so, so get I, I'm, even more. I'm trying to, I need the people's opinions. Is it almond or almon? Oh my God, we should probably make this a poll on Instagram. Oh yeah, we're going to make this a poll. God oh, damn it. Great. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> so did that for a while and I actually ended up getting offered a job in Texas. Some lady found me word of mouth to come work at her uh, big horse farm out here in Texas. And I did that for a short while. Realized that it was awesome, great, but I also realized what my boss at the horse breeding farm meant what by, um, you know, if I really like to ride horses that I probably shouldn't work in the horse industry because man, I got so burnt out in that. I went home after working for her and I didn't want to look at a horse for like a month. I, I did the bare minimum to take care of the horses I owned at that time. I fed them. I made sure that they were alive and I would go home. <laughs> I wouldn't do anything else. Um, So I went back to working for the boyfriend at the time, um, and he primarily farmed rice, almonds, Almonds. a lot of different things. And uh, I ended up walking into the John Deere dealership 
for ag at that time. And uh, they looked at me and they said, hey, uh, would you be interested in working for us? We, you uh, walked into the dealership. Why, though? Because you were picking up parts, Yes, correct? I was picking up parts, yes. The uh, bitch. Low, yeah, she low didn't just walk in and look around and say, hey, I like these tractors. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It wasn't like I was just there for a school outing or something. Yeah. Um, so they offered me a job to be a service rider, and I took it because it got me from not having to crawl around out in the field or run parts or God knows what. I got to sit in an air-conditioned office. I was cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started working at the John Deere Ag dealership as a service rider. Um, it was actually quite an experience. It was uh, just a different time. You know, a lot of people thankfully knew me in the area, so being a woman in that you know, realm of service, they really didn't think too much of me just because they knew me from seeing me around. And of course, who I was dating at that time kind of helped. They were all like, oh, that's so-and-so's girlfriend. You're going to be okay. Jesus. We don't get into the sexist stuff yet. Uh, okay. We we'll won't dive that into that yet. later. Uh, but while I worked for the ag dealership there, um, they sent me to do my John Deere core classes. So I... I think you've talked about this a bit, but if you haven't, you know, John Deere core, you're required to do electrical, hydraulic, and service advisor. Mm -hmm. You have to be fully trained and versed in it. So they shipped me off to Wichita, Kansas during the middle of February. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I did my core. So I had two days of electrical, two days of hydraulics, and a full day of service advisor. And at the end of it, I was the only female that had ever been through the trainer's core class so that was kind of interesting and I was the only female in that bunch of I think there were 20 of us so Hmm. 19 guys one girl (laughs) it was you could see the times that the trainer was just like trying to think of how to say things that maybe he normally would have said if it was like a class full of men you got to plug this male into this female yeah, no, I'm <laughs> but uh, we did that, got all certified in that, and so I was technically John Deere core certified. And if I really Ooh. wanted to go on, I could have started taking more advanced classes, but at that time it wasn't necessary for me. So I did that for a while. I worked in parts, and then I my final job at the ag dealership was working in their warranty department, and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And then we somehow ended up together. That's right. Actually, we we ended up together like, I don't know, we worked together for maybe eight months, nine months for a short blip of time. I was your boss for Yeah, short. we already discussed this in the first episode. I told her to fuck off because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she tried to send me on a field call super late in the afternoon. It was like three o'clock. After being stuck in the shop all day. It was not 3 o'clock. It was 3 o'clock. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> uh, anyway, somehow we ended up together for some yeah, reason. I don't know. <laughs> we just started talking one day and ended up moving in together and living together and then moving to Texas together. Yeah. So, so let's talk about moving to Texas. Well, not necessarily moving to Texas, but what we did. Uh, to get out here? No, work-wise, oh, you know. Okay. Fair enough. John Deere construction dealership wise. So Colton had originally applied for a job with the John Deere construction dealer out here. And I had applied for some other job. Um, My job had fallen through 
they reached out to Colton and asked him like hey well what does your wife do and he said you know funny that you asked that and so he kind of told them my background and they had approached him and said hey we have a job opening for a PM manager and you know at the time I was like well what the fuck is that you know (laughs) and uh coming from an ag side you know we didn't have preventative maintenance or anything like that I mean that was all the field techs did the the filter and oils yeah Yeah. it's kind of weird though because if you look at it now that we've worked on construction and ag how different it can be i mean ag techs will literally start stuff out in the field and will follow it to the shop and finish it themselves and and maybe that's just because of the dealership that we came from that was customary i don't know i can't speak really fully on that because that's the only ag dealership i've been to well talking from or talking to zeth um he it's the same for them as well you know you go out and diagnose it and it goes to the shop and they repair it there yeah it was way different in the construction side but yeah that's true it's just a whole different ball game yeah so you know i had thought it over and i said sure why not this was after i also told myself i would never go back into service i would never do it again um and so we loaded up we sold everything we could sell shoved ourselves into two small cars and uh the biggest u-haul trailer we could get and moved ourselves to texas um we both started working at the john deere construction dealership um and i probably (laughs) stayed in that pm role for what maybe eight nine months i want to say and then they had a position open up for a field service manager and i was approached and offered the job and it took me a minute and I said, sure, why not? Okay, yeah, let's do it. And I, I remember moving over and taking over that group of technicians. And <laughs> I remember they all probably thought that they were crazy, thinking that there was a female service manager that they were going to have to work under. Well, in episode four, we, uh, me and Antonio discussed it. <laughs> yeah. Because Antonio used to be one of her technicians. And uh, he was very gracious about it, though. I think he was more (laughs) understanding than maybe the rest of them. You know, I did have a really extremely good group of technicians that I worked with. And thank God they had such patience and grace with me because I'm sure there were times I would ask them stuff and they probably thought, what the hell is this woman thinking right now? Maybe. (laughs) But, um. I did that. I worked for them for probably about, I don't know. So you, we started there October of 2017. Yeah. And I left said construction dealership in July of uh, 2020 um, and went through my whole shebang of <clears throat> jumping around for <laughs> six weeks or whatever it was, trying to figure out where the hell to go. Um, and when I went to work for my current employer, uh, that pissed some people off apparently. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, when you left originally, you had expressed that it it really had nothing to do with the job per se. You were leaving because of management decision that you worked with at the time. And I guess I can understand that you have to do what's best for you in your own career path. Mm -hmm. I will tell you for anyone that's listening, 
we do have such a weird dynamic because if you think about it, I mean, Sweat and Grime brought it up perfectly. You know, what's it like considering the fact that in the real world of things, when they look at it, my position essentially ranks higher than what you do. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we never had any problems with that when we worked for the John Deere construction side. I mean, that was never ever a question. No one ever asked us about that or thought oddly about it. I think that helped though as well because I was over one location and you essentially worked for another location. Mm -hmm. So we did not directly report to one another or work to one another. Yeah. But you know, when he left, um, you know, he flat out said, you know, it's not that I don't like it here. It's not that I don't like the company. It's just the fact that I currently disagree with the management that runs this location. Mind you, this was, you know, right after this whole COVID bullshit started up. Yeah. And, you know, we were getting our hours cut, even though there was plenty of work. And it was just, it was insane the way things were being handled. And, and I wasn't happy with it. And, you know, we can get into money as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if we're looking at it from like the 500,000 foot view, it was 100% a management thing is what pushed you away. And the saddest part is that they weren't willing to understand and realize and hear you out and hear your concerns. I think that's the frustrating part because Mm -hmm. we know it's not just you, especially now that we're no longer there. We know it's not just you that had those concerns, Yeah. but you know, he left, um, he jumped around a bit trying to find what felt like home again for him and everything was fine and dandy, but... Well, I, I kind of want to explain this. When I left the construction dealer, I had... They kind of asked me what my plan was, but we kind of had a plan that I was going to go work for a private contractor or as a... For a private company, and I was slowly going to build my company and go out on my own. And when I left the deer dealership, they had asked, you know, what's your plan? And I expressed it to them straight up. You know, my, my eventual plan is to go out on my own. <clears throat> and uh, apparently that they weren't too happy with that because I was going to be stealing their business. Little old me was going to be stealing from a big old dealership. <laughs> and uh, slowly down the line, you know, that it kind of worked its way to my wife losing her job, but what really did it for them, I guess you'd say the, the straw that broke the camel's back is that I, the person that I went to work for went to, or would only deal with my wife. Yeah. He, you could probably explain that better than me. Like how that happened, like how, why he would only deal with you. (laughs) Yeah. So his current employer, um, he used to actually be really high up at the John Deere construction dealership at one point in time. He was the general manager at one point. Yeah. So when he left, um, he explained why he left and that's not my business to share or or to story to tell. Um, if we ever are able to get him on here, which I hope we are someday, you know, he'll be able to share his story and what he feels is appropriate to share. But, not beating that dead horse there. <laughs> um, he had such issues leading up before I took over his account, essentially, with 
billing, paperwork, and really he's not a hard guy to understand. He's got a contract that he signs with the company every mm-hmm. year that explains how much money he pays for a resident, how much money he pays for a non-resident, how much he pays for travel. He doesn't pay f- shipping, blah, 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 yada, 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 song and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, And there were a lot of people that thought they could kind of screw that system over, I guess, and think he'd never catch it or never pay attention. And so, you know, it was really simple how he wanted things. And it was really just the stupid, you know, use the KISS acronym, keep it simple, stupid. Um, (laughs) And so when I took over his account, you know, him and I really grew and built a relationship. And he was a go-to person for me if I had a question. And he would call me directly about things if he needed things. And so when he had approached my husband about working for him. Now, granted, please note, you know, obviously a lot of companies have a, uh, what is it? Non-compete or something like that clause, which that's fine. Normally it's 90 days though, that a company has. Yeah. I was gone. Well, I, six weeks. You were gone 90 days enough for them to have, you know? Yeah. And so he had, I, he had reached out to me and I said, you know, this is what he's doing right now. I said, I don't know if he's interested in moving. That's not my decision to make. You'd have to talk to him. So I know him and my husband talked and, you know, they, I'm sure you've heard his story about how he approached him and how they came to work with him. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband accepted the job. And at that point in time, there's a lot of things, which I understand business is the way business is run, but a lot of stuff is personal life. You know, I don't think it was my business at any point in time to go disclose to my company where my husband went to work for. Um, It's not that it's not that I feel I don't even know how to say it. Like, it's really not their business. You know, it's not like if you were a doctor and you decided to go work from Baylor to Texas Health or something, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was a nurse somewhere else. I don't feel like that matters. (laughs) Um, But you know, it, it quickly became apparent as soon it became public knowledge, I guess, where my husband went to work for, it quickly became apparent that things were not okay. Um, I'd never once in the three years I had worked for them, I'd never once had a disciplinary action or even had a, a, a verbal, verbal talking to about anything ever. Um, and within a short a four week maybe time span I was from no issues to shit canned out the door and let me tell you being the person that had been a manager on that side it is an act of fucking congress to get anyone fired Mm -hmm. so the fact that they were able to get me shit canned out the door that fast really raised a lot of red flags to me and As I started to do some more digging into it, you know, the first thing was they had a verbal meeting with me with my direct report, my second direct report, and then like, I guess my upper, upper manager. And, you know, I'd never had any issues at all. And the thing that completely took me by surprise was the fact that my upper, upper manager looked me directly in the eyes and flat out told me, if you don't want to be here, I don't fucking want you here. And... I felt backhanded like I was so shocked because I couldn't understand where his thought process was in regards to that and then like the week after that they (laughs) gave me a write-up for lack of communication and warranty write-off and 
mind you, I closed out the most amount of money for that company and collected the most amount of warranty and got money back from warranty for stuff that realistically they probably never would have gotten money back for. And, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm being told that I was not talking into the mic no, correctly. You were too, too close. So everybody oh. could hear your P sorry. enunciation. So sorry, I was trying to make you turn So your where head. was I on that? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, had a write up. Well, I ended up turning around and going directly to my HR department and said, Whoa, time out. This write up is completely bullshit. Mm -hmm. And HR ended up looking into it and said, actually, no, you're right. It is because when they actually went and talked to my direct report, they found out that he really couldn't back up any of the claims that he had put there in place. <laughs> so they completely stricken my write-up and said, never mind, it's removed from your file. Well, what, two weeks later, they shit-canned me for lack yeah. of communication. And, How dare you challenge the system? Yeah, and, and I was... <laughs> my husband will speak for me. I have never been fired from a job, and I was in literal fucking tears. Like, I called him on the way home like the worst part about it was we had come back from vacation maybe like i don't know like a week before had come back yeah. from vacation not any kind of sign that anything was wrong at all and i worked a full entire day and they shit canned me at the end of the fucking day like had me work a whole day and then shit canned yeah. me and <laughs> i remember calling my husband and just I was in tears. <laughs> it's just bullshit. <laughs> it was fucking childish. It's all because of the her her manager. She constantly challenged him because he was constantly wrong. He's a fucking idiot. And he didn't like being challenged and being proved wrong by a woman. Yeah. And when I left, that was like his go-to. Like, finally, I can get her out of here. And... I mean, it was a matter of time and it finally happened. Yeah. I mean, this was all within a month and, and it was, you know, the company itself, I won't say anything bad about the company itself. Great company. It is a great company. I think right now, currently they're struggling and especially now that I have stepped away, I would definitely say being able to look as an outsider's view. And now that I've gotten to know a lot of the things that I have gotten to know, mm -hmm. it's very apparent that currently at least here in the Metroplex of Texas, they're struggling. They're growing larger than they can handle, and the management that's in place cannot handle the growth. But sadly, you know, we all talk about the good old boys club, and I know technicians will understand this. There is a good old boys club. Mm -hmm. Let's be real here. Um, right now, there is such a good old boys club in place that protects the main group that's here in the Metroplex that until that group is broken up, there won't be real change. But, you know, after that, I ended up kind of, I took maybe like a month off, I would say. Yeah. I wouldn't really call it a month off. I, I beat down doors <laughs> for about a month because I hadn't planned to, to lose a job or <laughs> anything yeah. like that. Well, and I apologize if it seems like we're just fucking talking complete shit about this company. Uh, it's not really like that. It's just more of like a, we want to give our perspective of how cutthroat things can be in this industry. But I also think you need to understand why some people 
leave jobs yeah. too. Cause I don't always think that it is 100% a choice. And I think unless people are having open, honest discussions about companies and about the way things are run, nothing is going to get better because there is such a closed door system, whether people like to realize it or not, there is such a closed door view of things. And until you're in the upper areas of things, you don't see it and you don't understand it. Mm -hmm. So bouncing off of this, mm -hmm. let's talk about, you know, you took a month off or whatever you said, and you finally were able to land this job. I did. I actually, the guy actually found, well, no, I applied for a job within the company yeah. and, uh, the way the company I work for now works is they have a group of recruiters and I think it's a really cool way of how they look for, you know, talent, I guess we'll call it talent within Ooh. companies. <laughs> um, you know, cause obviously a lot of companies see a ton of resumes that come across mm -hmm. their desk at any point in time. And it's a lot of resumes to shuffle through. So this company has invested the idea of a recruiter that will go through these resumes and say, yeah, they fit what's needed for this position or no, we think they would fit somewhere without somewhere else within our company. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, they reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, we saw that you applied for this job, but based off of what you've done, your history, you know, your track record, I, I think you would fit somewhere else within our company. Would you be interested in talking about it? And, you know, I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And, and I'll be honest, the company that I work for now, being from the competitor, mm -hmm. you I never hear, you never hear this. anything good about them. <laughs> yeah. And on top of it, it's, I want to say, let me put it this way. The, the company that I work for now, I work for Caterpillar, but the company I work for has such a golden shimmer around it. Let's like <laughs> everyone wants to work there and wants to be a part of them. And they're like the ideal technician group, the ideal like management group, you mm -hmm. know, and that's all we'd ever heard. And we'd also heard that to work for this company is extremely rare. I mean, it's very hard to get in with the company. And I, now that I work for, I now understand why, but backtracking a bit, you know, I ended up meeting with this recruiter at like, I don't know, it was like six in the morning one yeah. day we went and had breakfast and sat and talked and bullshitted. And, you know, I remember coming home and I looked at Cole and I said, I'm not getting that fucking job. <laughs> like, There's no way they're not going to take me. It's not going to happen. So they shockingly ended up calling me and they asked me to come and sit down for a panel interview and I thought this is a joke. Okay, this isn't going to happen. So I ended up going for my panel interview and I hate interviewing. I look like an idiot half the time and I'll step right over my own feet. Half the time. Yeah, well, that's true. Maybe more half than the that. Time? Yeah. <laughs> Three quarters Thank of you. the time. <laughs> but, you know, I, I did my interview and I remember sitting in my interview and I think this is a crucial thing. They had on the wall, oh. they had their, their <laughs> values in action. And I had just been shit canned from a company that also had values in action and had their stakeholder wheel and had, you know, all these things that you had to memorize. And 
I still never memorized that, by the way. <laughs> I didn't I, give two think, shits about that. I think my favorite, though, about that, if we can, like, sidebar here really quickly, yeah. was when we were meeting with this new CFO of that John yeah. Deere construction company. Mm-hmm. And my technician, <laughs> oh, my God, I love him. If I could have walked up and hugged him that day, I would have. But it probably would have come off completely wrong as a female. But... He straight looked at that CFO and didn't all gas, no brakes, did not hesitate, looked at him and was like, so I want you to break down the stakeholder wheel and I want you to explain to me how it affects every piece of it. And he totally <laughs> caught the CFO off guard. And I remember I'm in the back trying not to laugh while my direct report is just staring daggers at him like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, this is great. This is awesome. You know? And thankfully, I mean, the CFO did okay. He didn't totally fall on his face, but he struggled. So sitting in my interview, you know, they were talking to me about it. And I remember sitting there going, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like, this is, this is going to be bad. Another one of these. Yeah, another one of these. Because I remember working at the John Deere construction dealership. The only time that those values and actions were used was to beat you with it and to tell you where you messed up. That was the only time they mattered. And so of course I was super hesitant. And so I did my, did my interview and went along my way. I didn't think anything of it. Probably a week went by and they called me and they ended up offering me the job. And I went, Oh wow. Sure. Yeah, no, I'll take it. (laughs) And so, you know, I started working there and my first day I was sitting and talking with my hiring manager and he goes, you know, none of us knew who you were. You know, we knew everyone else that had come in to interview, but none of us knew who you were. And I said, well, you know, what, what made you decide to take the chance on someone that you didn't know that you'd never heard of before? And he goes, well, funny you ask. He goes, we ended up calling customers that we knew were mutual customers with the John Deere construction dealership that you work for. And I said, oh yeah. (laughs) And he goes, We ended up calling about four or five of them. Including (laughs) Including, my current boss. Yeah, including (laughs) his current boss. He goes, none of them could say a bad thing about you. Not a single word. Mm -hmm. Not at all. He goes, but the best one (laughs) was, I'm not going to say his name, but my husband's boss flat out told him, and he is a person that I will tell you if we ever get him on here, and I hope to God we do, we'll be honest with you to, to a fault. And he flat out told my hiring manager, you would be a fucking idiot if you didn't hire her. (laughs) And I remember going, oh my God, no, he didn't. (laughs) Like, I love the man to death, but I thought, oh, I don't know if that's really considered like a recommendation or not. (laughs) (laughs) My boss is straight up. He don't give a shit who you are. You could be the richest man on earth and he'll tell you you're a fucking idiot if if you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he does not hesitate at all. But so now I work at the cat construction dealer. I'm considered a field service supervisor. Um it's essentially though the same as like a field service manager. Um but it's just called a supervisor, which is fine. Let's manager get, makes it feel like I'm not as stressed at night. Yeah. And she basically does the same thing now as she did at the John Deere dealership, but she makes more money. 
We can talk about money yeah. later because there's a lot of things that people should know about this. So, role. so slap in the face for you, John Deere folk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what uh, what kind of stuff do you do in your position, and what does a typical day look like for you? So I like to jokingly say that I am an adult babysitter. But <laughs> that sounds really wrong. Um, realistically, you know, my my normal day, which I could be I could be like someone that we had interviewed the other day and asked what a normal day looks like for them. And they told me about how they get up early and they drink coffee and read a book and then they go. <laughs> but I'm not oh, going to do that too. Complete detail. I turned the yeah. light switch on, <laughs> yeah. put toothpaste on my toothbrush. No, yeah. I mean, my normal day, you know, I handle time cards. I handle billing and invoicing of all the work orders. I handle dispatching technicians. Um Thankfully, in this role, I don't have to build quotes. That was probably the bane of my existence was trying to build a quote at my last job because, I I mean, there was no training behind it. It was just build a quote, figure it out, and have fun with it. And it's like, I don't know the first thing I'm looking at or what you need. Um, So, you know, realistically, a lot of it that I do is just paper pushing. But, you know, at the same time, there's a lot more to my role and I try to remember that at the end of the day, you know, I don't care realistically how much money I bill out and I'm sure my company would be like, uh, wait a second here. <laughs> but you know, if I'm not getting my technicians home safely at the end of the day, then I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot more to my job than having to just bill out work orders and do everything like that. But realistically, my job is pushing paper and making sure technicians are okay and no one's died during the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's times I deal with sometimes like customer disgruntled customers or customer disputes of bills. And I think maybe we could use that segue. And I think you were telling me you had someone ask in your questionnaire box about how like to talk with angry customers that you know might be breathing down your neck and you know stuff like that and how to handle that do you want to kind of talk about that we can but are we do you want to talk about it from a supervisor's perspective or i think because you can't give a technician i can because i've done it but i mean well, I think it's both. I think you can give your side of it and I can give mine and maybe my yeah, side's kind of helpful. To, we'll just talk about yours today. Um, maybe. Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. You'll probably get so, heated enough to jump in. I had a question from a feller and uh, what's it? Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> how to deal or how to talk to angry breathing down your neck customers. That's a pretty damn good question. Um from your perspective, how, how, because you deal with a lot. Yeah, I deal with a lot. I mean, I understand that when you guys are on the job site, you probably do have customers that are up your ass about something, you know, be it, I called this in two days ago. Why weren't you here yesterday or something like that? Um, you know, when I've had customers that call in and they're upset or they're angry about something, I'm going to look at it from a couple different views and aspects. The first one is, is I'm just going to let them talk. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say anything. 
I'm going to let them talk. I'm going to acknowledge their anger and what they're upset about. And then I'm going to try to figure out what it actually is that they are upset about. Because I have had customers before go on a tangent and it really didn't have anything to do specifically about what they were asking about. So once we got to like the root cause of their anger or frustration, it becomes a lot easier. So I guess I'll use an example of a customer that came and called and bitched the other day about his bill that we worked on his after treatment system and uh, yada, 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 yeah. and how he wanted to us to have us refund this bill for him because now that he had this other company come out and work on it, he no longer had any after treatment issues. Well, mind you, the company he had come and work on it essentially removed the after treatment system off of his machine. So essentially did an emissions delete on the machine. Well, yeah, of course you're not having any after treatment issues anymore. So, you know, we had told him prior to the bill what everything was going to cost. Everything was quoted. We had told him what it would cost to fix the machine and what it needed. And at that point he had decided to go the route of the, having the, the illegal route, the illegal <laughs> route. Yeah. So <laughs> when he called and asked us to refund the bill because we essentially didn't fix the machine and what he did fixed it, you know, I had to explain why <laughs> I couldn't refund him the bill and why he still owed it. And, uh, it, he kind of, he still was a little hot and bothered by it, I guess. But at the same time, you know, for me, when it comes to anger customers that are breathing down your neck, the best advice I can give you is no matter how much it may piss you off and how heated you might get and you just want to freaking jump their neck or whatever, just let them talk. Because at some point, I guarantee you, you're going to figure out what is actually bothering them. And it may have nothing to do with you or nothing to do with what you have done specifically. Mm-hmm. And I know... I'll speak on our side of it here in Texas. You know, come summertime, we're going to be busy. You know, when we left, when we exited out of summer last year, we still had like 120 machines waiting on a technician. And we were like four weeks out before we could get a technician out to this machine. And so by the time we would get technicians out there, you know, customers would be jumping technicians butts and it was one of those things where it's just not fair to the technicians. And, and I get that you you guys are kind of the front line of really what's going on. We don't, we as supervisors or managers or coordinators or whatever, we don't get to see a lot of the things that you're getting to see. But I will say that if it gets to a point where you've got a customer that is getting nasty enough that, mm-hmm. that, you know, you're a dork. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm, I'm agreeing because I have a great story about this. <laughs> but I mean, if you have a customer that's getting nasty enough to you, that is making it so you're near impossible to do your job. I tell my technicians, you call me, you tell me what's going on and I will 100% back you to leave the job site. Mm. And if they have a question, that customer is more than welcome to call me and I will explain exactly why that technician is leaving the job site because I will not have a customer talk shitty or rude to my technician at the end of the day. Um, That's not fair to you. 
that's not fair to myself. That's not fair to the company. And quite frankly, it's not fair to the customer either, because I know when you're getting your ass chewed out by a customer, the last thing you want to do realistically is think about how to correctly fix their machine. So you're not in the right mindset to fix their machine. Yeah. I've got a perfect example of that. I had, uh, gone to this Corey and you know, uh, it was MSHA required, blah, blah, blah. So I did on-site one week, went out and worked on a machine wall. The next week I had to go back to the site for another, I think it was a, uh, I forget what damn machine it was. Anyways, I pull up there and the guy was just shitty with me from the get, right at the gate. And, you know, he's like, you need to do an on-site. I'm like, I just took one last week. And he kept on with me about it. And he was being a dick, like cussing at me and everything. And finally I get it out of him that they changed up their system and I had to do a different onsite because the last one was no good. And if he would have just started with that from the beginning, we would have never had the problem because basically he was getting so nasty with me. I said, look, motherfucker, I don't even got to be here to work on your shit. And I said, I can leave right now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we were about to throw hands right there at the fucking guard shack. And, uh, I, I just said, you know what? Fuck you. I'm done dealing with you. And I went into the office and said, this guy's being fucking a shit face and I'm about to leave. So let's figure this out. And they were like, we're so sorry. Yeah. He, he tends to do that. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, he's probably not a good employee for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that I could say that I learned from my time of working at the John Deere construction dealership as I had another I guess at one point she was your boss and then she moved to another role and within the company, but I still had a lot of close connection and contact with her. And there's one thing that I learned from her and God, it drove me nuts working for her. But now that I don't work with her for her, whatever, you know, I have a lot of respect for her and I understand a lot of the things she did. She used to always tell me, you know, you have to understand the why behind you do why you do something or the why behind the question or whatever. And I, I hated that. But now that I'm not there and now that I can see it in other aspects in real world situations, if you can start to gather out the why of what the question is or the reason for things, it's going to make a lot of things easier. If you can get someone to explain the why to you, you're going to understand a lot better. So I know no one wants to hear it. Let a customer rant, let a customer rave, mm -hmm. let them say what they need to say, circle back and pretty much say, okay, it sounds like this is what the real concern is for you. And if you're not understanding it, just be like, what can I do to rectify the situation or make this better or help you? Because I know I think you've maybe mentioned it in a different episode that you've done and I couldn't tell you which one, but it's right. This job is a, is a thankless job. And I can say that because coming from agriculture, you know, we would, we'd have customers that would feed our technicians lunch yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah. Not to drink while we're yeah, there not to, to take home. on the job site. Um, <laughs> but I mean, farmers and ranchers were beyond yeah. grateful to see a technician show up and work on their machines. Mm -hmm. Construction foremen and stuff are expecting you to show up and bust your ass. And at the end of the day, once you finally get this machine up and running, they throw an operator in it and they all split and go the opposite way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you There's... rarely ever get told thank you. And I think it's, part of the job though too because it is such a high 
high demand, high turnover, high rate of return that they're, they just don't have quote unquote time, which is shitty because everyone should have time to at least say thank you. Yeah. Just, there's going to be some assholes. I mean, no matter what you do, they're going to, they're going to think you're not, you know, that, that you're just, you're a peasant to them. You know, you're just a dirty mechanic. Um, anyway, enough of that shit. <laughs> I hope that answers the question. And if not, I mean, feel free to, if you have a specific situation that you can think of off the top of your head, like be more than welcome to reach out to Colton and I'd be more than happy to answer a question or try to rectify something situation. I mean, being the roles that I've been in, I've gotten to take a lot of good training. Like I've gotten to take conflict resolution classes and stuff like that. So I'm pretty, pretty good at that stuff. (laughs) Uh, let's talk about being a woman in the industry. Mm, yes. That's a good one because, you know, <laughs> there's a few times where I'm, I get a little fired up, start punching the air. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't speak from the technician side of it and I really hope that we can get a female technician on. I know that we have a couple mutual friends that are female technicians and I know one of them. Miranda, if you're listening, I'm going to pester you about this. Um, <laughs> that I think would be really good to have on the podcast because you're right. Being a female in this industry is definitely not for, I guess, someone with a very... You have a motherfucking spine. Yeah, you have to have a, a spine. Um, and I think that's wrong. I don't... I'm sure you're... I'm sure you some have some differing opinions on it, but I definitely don't think that women should be exiled from this industry. Now, we may not be as strong as you and we may not be as capable in some aspects of it that men are capable of, which, I mean, that's that's fine. That's just how we're built genetically. But at the end of the day, I, I think women can also do some things as good as men, if not better. Sure. Yeah, I, As you roll I, just your can't, eyes. <laughs> I just can't sit here and call you a boner face because you might go turn me into HR. Yeah, that is one thing I don't really like about <laughs> the industry. So I know for myself, I'll speak for myself and myself only. Um, I would say I'm definitely different than most women. I'm going to toss back whatever you throw at me. Yeah. Um, I will not take shit. I will treat you the way you treat me. I'm going to treat you. So if you want to be disrespectful and rude, I'm going to be disrespectful and rude back to you. Granted, I will have a little bit of grace and probably be a little more professional than you. So I like to think that I'm pretty decent with my wording of things. So if I want to make you look like a fool, I'm going to make you look like a fool in a very professional way. She's done it to me. (laughs) Uh, No but I'm, I want to talk about like the sexist side, you know, yeah. I mean, remember back when you started at, I almost oh, yeah. said the name, uh, your old coworker that got his ass fired cause he's stupid. Yeah. Um, w- let's talk about that. Yeah. So in regard to the, the sexist side of it, I, you know, I don't think we had a huge issue of it in California Mm-mm. when we worked there. Um, and again, I think that's just cause California is different, I guess as a, Nice way to put it. Hey. <laughs> so uh, when we moved to Texas and I started my role here within the company, um, you know, they 
had never really had a female besides maybe one other that had worked in a couple others but you were coming in as a super service manager yeah. yeah so you know they had never really had a field service manager i guess we'll put it that way by that point in time um and so when i had walked in i was the one of five you know there were one female to five males essentially at that point mm-hmm. and i did have a coworker that his, I guess that we would just have to say it's based off of his beliefs and views and how he was raised. But, you know, I definitely came across it a lot in Texas where, I mean, even people I didn't know, even customers that I talked to on the phone that were just dumbfounded that there was a female service manager. And, you know, I had one person ask me at a point in time of, you know, well, what does your husband do for a living? Like, why are you working? Like, what are you doing here? And, you know, it kind of took me back and I really didn't know how to respond at that time because I'd never had anyone ask me that. I, um, I kind of just told them that, you know, I have my own bills I have to pay and not, she has horses that I will not pay for. Yes. I have horses and I have college loans to pay. Um, but you know, I, I don't think that that's a fair mindset. Now I understand that we kind of live in the quote unquote South, you know, and, And we do have a lot of mutual, we do have a lot of friends that there are a lot of stay at home wives for our friends. Like I think if I had to count on my fingers and toes, you know, there's maybe three or four of our friends that I can think of whose wives also work. I think a lot of the rest of them are stay at home moms or, you know, do small little side businesses at home. But, but we like money. So. We're too broke. (laughs) And I have a, me, myself, I'm putting this out there a little bit, but I have child support. I have two kids with somebody else. That's, I have past life. So I, even, I guess we could maybe do that if I didn't have that. (laughs) I don't think we could even do that even if you didn't have child support. And that's just because of the fact that, I think the both you and I, I know I couldn't do it. I know when I took that month and a half, like sabbatical from working, mm-hmm. you know, I enjoyed like the first two weeks. And then after that, there was not any more house I could clean yeah. or, you know, nothing else I could realistically do. But, you know, the sexism down here is difficult. And, you know, the best thing that I have to say about that is the fact that, it's going to come no matter where you're at. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're in construction. I mean, you could be in any role and there's still going to be somewhere, someone who's going to have that frame of mind. And a lot of that is just going to have to be from the fact that that's their background. They don't know any different. Yeah. And I think that's the best piece of advice for women who are listening. If they are listening, you know, the fact that don't, don't take what they have to say to heart just understand that they probably don't have a round enough worldview to understand that what they're saying probably isn't appropriate because that's all that they're used to and all that they know. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously there's going to be like you stated, it gets very, you get anxious to say things around people because you're afraid that in this day and age that everyone's going to, I'm probably the worst to talk about this because it drives me nuts. But, you know, if you're going to work in an industry like this, 
construction, oil fields, whatever, you need to understand that you're walking into a male dominated industry. Do not expect that industry to change just because you are a female walking (laughs) into it. I think that's the easiest way to put it. And the best way to put it is do not walk into an industry and expect that just because you're a female that they need to become little but delicate butterflies around you at all. I, I mean, I think that's inappropriate to expect of everyone. Um, and again, this is only speaking for me. I cannot speak for anyone else. And at the same time, I am wired extremely differently. Mm-hmm. That's why this next question that we're getting ready to dive into is kind of hard for me to answer because you're wired different. But I had a younger guy ask, how how does working overtime affect, or how did, is it how to, how to deal with it? I guess how does like working overtime affect your relationship with your significant other? How do you deal with it? Like I guess yeah, that's so it's they kind asked of that. a rounded question. Um, I this is different for me because I have a significant other that is very supportive of what I do. Um, there's I've had a an ex significant other that had an issue with me working so much overtime. I'm not spending enough time with you. Uh, meanwhile, she's sitting at home not having a job and costing me money. But, uh, you know, I used to work on the De- John Deere ag side, and there was times where, you know, I'd work dark to dark and seven days a week during harvest, and it there was I, – I spent a lot of time away. Um, coming here to Texas, I spent a lot of time away out in West Texas, you know, worked a lot of overtime at oh, the yeah. time, and – you know, like I said, I have a, a significant other now that is uh, very supportive, you know. You definitely worked a lot of overtime. And I think I think more than anything, like West Texas is kind of an oddity, but we can, we can extrapolate on that mm-hmm. a little bit later if you want to. Yeah, and so my best recommendation is tell whomever has a problem with you working so much to grow the fuck up. No, that's aggressive. <laughs> oh my God, no. Okay. So. <laughs> it's fucking real. I mean, you got to bust your ass every day. The last thing you want to do is come home and be bitched at for working so much yeah. to pay the bills. And you know what? I get, I get both sides of this question and like Colton says, I am definitely wired very differently. I don't know anything different. Um, every guy I've dated or been with, and God, that's going to sound really bad. She's every guy I've dated or been with has been in some kind of industry. That's either heavy equipment, agriculture, you know, essentially does not work a nine to five bankers hours, yada, yada, yada. So I don't know any differently. Um, but I will say when it comes down to it, the biggest thing that I can recommend is if you're working overtime, I think both sides need to understand why you're working the overtime you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if it's because of the fact that you're struggling to make ends meet, then I think you need to look at the greater picture of why are you struggling to make ends meet? Are you... Are you kind of stretch thin somewhere else is it something that you guys can cut back on to make it so you don't have to work more overtime you know in our livelihood I do my best to try to explain to all technicians including my husband we do our best to budget our life around 40 hours a week 
So whatever pays out at 40 hours a week, we structure our financial situation around that because, and we can go into mine more later. Um, I am paid 40 hours a week, but I am salary. Mm -hmm. So I have no option of overtime, even though Colton has watched me work. I come home (laughs) and I'll still work till nine or 10 o'clock. It is a rare oddity, but you know, until my technicians realistically go home, their trucks are shut off and they're in the front door with their family. I'm working. That's yeah. really how it is. Um, which is probably why I'm salary because <laughs> there would be way too much overtime on my pay stub. But we, we also make up for, I don't work as much overtime anymore with what I do, but back in the day, I mean, any chance that we had, we were spending time together and especially like when my kid, comes out here for the summer we go and do a lot of shit together yeah we um for us you know it's it's about sacrifice realistically um and it's both parties have to sacrifice it can't just be one side of that coin you know sacrificing something Uh, there's been times for like us this sounds so petty There'll be times for like us, I might want to go get my nails done or something because I'm oddly feeling very girly at that point in time. Moint. Moint, yeah, at that point in time. But it's not in our finances. We can't afford that. Um, And that's just either because... Hard times. Hard times, whatever, you know, and, and that's okay. But when you do have an opportunity to carve out time, my suggestion is, is make sure if you do know that you don't have an option to not work overtime, you know, I have a technician, I'm not going to say his name, you know, I'm not going to really throw him out there like that. But I do have a technician that really focuses his life right now around overtime. Overtime is what helps him pay his bills. And that is because that him and his wife have made the conscious choice that having two young children right now, you know, they would prefer to have her at home. And that's 100% okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's also you both, both, both parties have to agree upon what your expectation is of the money that you're making. And I don't think a lot of people in this industry talk about that because, you know, realistically, if you sat down and looked at your contract that you probably signed with your company, depending upon the role that you are in, shop techs are realistically, from the contracts I've seen, shop techs are realistically only guaranteed 40 hours. Mm -hmm. The company only guarantees you 40. Anything outside of that is considered a luxury. Most field technician roles are only guaranteed 50, um, 40 to 50 hours from other contracts that I have seen. Now, obviously, a lot of people realize that working in a field truck, 50 is like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the starting point, realistically. Like, that's, there's always going to be more opportunity out there available. So, I think when it comes to working overtime, um, how do we deal with it? I know when Colton was working a lot of overtime and when he was, excuse me, when he was going out to West Texas regularly and would be gone for two to three weeks at a time, when he would come home, either I would burn a day of PTO or whatever, you know, and we would spend that day together or we would make sure we had time carved out. Like he would, uh, he would begrudgingly 
drag himself to a barrel race just to spend time with me because he knew that realistically sometimes those were the times that you may not have wanted to be there but you were there to spend time because there were other times during the week that those options weren't available i mean we've had times where you haven't crawled in to bed until 11 o'clock at night before and that was just what it was at that point or you didn't even come home. You ended up having to stay down in hotels and I had to yeah. drive clothes down to you because yeah. that wasn't the plan. I, yeah. I, I mean, it, my biggest advice when it comes to it is each person in that relationship needs to understand the why behind it. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. If there's a reason you're pulling that much overtime, I think you need to explain why. And if it's truly a financial decision for why, then you need to pencil it out and put it in writing and show why. You're starting to put me to sleep. I'm sorry. Everybody I'm just trying to help. To sleep. Oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk a lot. I'm Italian. I'm really sorry. Uh, you just kind of dealt with this, uh, how to get paid oh, what you're worth. That's a good segue. Yeah. And raises. Yeah, especially Let's, now with the way the economy and the market's going. But I won't call NPR on you right now. <laughs> um, uh, you just dealt with this and you kind of had to fight pretty hard for somebody to get a raise. Yeah. Um, somebody that busts their ass. Yeah, 100%. Percent and I guess 120%. <laughs> there's no such thing. Uh, oh, I'm giving it to him. Yeah, he goes out of his way hard, and he keeps the company up and going pretty, pretty. you know, he busts his ass. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, he was asking for a raise a little early, which I can understand. And uh, they basically said no. So my wife had to, you know, fight it for a couple weeks. Yeah, about a month, month and a half. So it's not just the technician that's, you know, having a hard time getting raises. It's also supervisors fighting to get it for you. I, I don't really know how to explain it on your side. but Yeah. Um, the question that the actual question is how to get paid what you're worth and how to receive a raise. I think that was the exact question, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So I will only speak from a supervisor slash manager role. And I will only speak from my experience and what I have seen. So when it comes to asking for a raise and to get what you're worth, I'm going to be brutally honest here. Do not ever at any point expect because someone that is a coworker of yours makes a certain dollar amount. Do not expect that because of that you are worth that as well. There can always be extrapolating circumstances that will have gone into making the decisions that have been made to give that person that certain dollar amount. So with that said, or hold on time out, you might not be as good as you fucking think. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's a lot more meaner about it. I'm not that nice. <laughs> I'm too nice, I guess. Um, so when, as a supervisor, when we sit down and we look at, giving someone a raise, there's a couple different factors that we look into it. Um, one of them is going to be how profitable are you for that company? Um, yes, I understand that 
maybe your company makes $165, $175 an hour off of you and you're only getting paid, let's say, $35 of that. Please note also that they have to understand how much of that are they writing off? Are they getting paid for all of your time? Mm-hmm. Not just for some of it, but all of your time. Um, how often are they having to write work off for you? How often are they having to rework you? So if you fuck something up or, you know, someone finds something that you did wrong, those are, you know, markers against yourself. Uh, I was going to say also, uh, you might be going to say this, but also you're driving their vehicle. Yes. Their fuel. Yeah. Their credit card, if you have one. Yeah. there A lot of people don't realize that, that. You know, the company bills 160, let's just say $165 an hour. They give you 35 of that, okay. right? That then goes down to they're pocketing 130 of that. So that truck you're driving is a $350,000 rolling toolbox that mm-hmm. they pay for, that they keep the insurance on, that they keep running, that they do the oil changes, tires, everything. That's not cheap. Everyone yeah. sees fuel prices right now. I know here in Texas, I just saw it the other day, it's four twenty nine a gallon for diesel, I think, which is absolutely fucking absurd. Um, but we're not gonna get in my political yeah, stances no on political that. <laughs> um but you know, those are a lot of that number starts to add up and I think I had had it explained to me once, when you break down that hundred and sixty five an hour that they're making off of you realistically the company is probably once all expenses are paid they're probably pocketing 30 to 50 dollars depending you know depending on what the situation is off of you Mm -hmm. so realistically they're not making that much which i say that and then i look at my company's freaking p l sheet and go goddamn um (laughs) so when you're approaching a company your superior whatever for a raise the biggest thing that I as a supervisor can recommend for you is do not expect that your work will always justify your raise. Now, there are certain situations where obviously your work is going to justify your pay raise or going to justify the pay increase that you're asking for. But there will be other situations where they don't. Obviously, sometimes like my manager does not deal with technicians on a daily basis. He only hears about them if I go and talk to him about them. Most of the time, if I'm talking to him about them, you either did something really good or you did something really bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's about it. There's no middle ground. So he doesn't hear the daily achievements that you do. Um, when you're approaching them for a raise, make sure you have your ducks in a row, have a dollar figure in your head, but also understand the dollar figure you're asking for. And I say that because of understand your pay scale for the company that you work for. If your company does not have a pay scale, ask them mm. to provide you yes, one Do that in writing. <laughs> the reason I say in writing is because if they verbally tell you a pay scale, it's probably not actually what it is. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, uh, sure. Part of the reason why I left my job, level four technician at about two and a half, level two and a half pay. Yeah. Uh, and then when I left, you know, I was taking a $3 an hour raise, which was still under what their pay scale was. And when I said, they asked me, what do you, well, what are they going to give you when you leave? And I said, well, I'm getting $3 an hour more. 
And oh no, the best we can do is a dollar. Well, there's your answer. But that, I made that mistake when I first worked at this company. You know, I finally asked for a pay scale and they provided it to me and I found I was way underpaid and somehow I miraculously got a nice raise out of that. Yeah. And then they kept doing it. Yeah. But in in your defense too, we'll just we'll be nasty. My defense or the company's defense? No, in your defense too. The company, the location for this company that you worked for, it was no hidden secret. And I was only a luxury of knowing that because of the role I was in. It was no hidden secret that that was the lowest paying store in the whole entire Metroplex, yeah. which is shitty, but that's, you know. But now they're starting to pay out because so many people have left. Because yes, of, and HR is finally paying attention yes, to what's going people on People have jumped out of trucks. And, yes. Anyway, um, sorry, go on. No, but definitely make sure that they provide you a pay scale in writing. And the reason for that is for these reasons. If it's not in re- writing, that means that their pay scale is flexible to their needs, desires, and their current mood. Um, a pay scale that's in writing is going to be able to provide you with, you know, an idea and an expectation of what is reasonable for what you're considered at, at that time. Now, if you also feel like you are ready for a technician change, so like for our group, we have technician one, two, three, four, five, six, diagnostic tech. So if you're ready to move from a level three to a level four, make sure that you can also justify that reasoning behind it. Have you finished all of your training levels that you can in that? Have you had no issues? Are you continuing to grow within the the level that you're in? Um you have to be able to justify to the company that you are worth the dollar amount that you are asking. And mm-hmm. always make sure that when you are asking for a pay raise, you are asking for a specific dollar amount and you can justify that specific dollar amount. Don't go in there and say, well, say you're getting paid $34 an hour. Don't go in there and say, I would like to get paid $38 an hour and it's because Bobby makes $38 an hour and I think Bobby and I are equal in technician abilities. <laughs> so <laughs> don't do that because first of all, your your supervisor, your manager at that point is going to tune you out because you're truly firing off from an emotional point. You are not giving us anything that we can turn around and go to our managers or our superiors and say, here's why I feel like we need to shell out more money to so-and-so. Um, especially, and I get it right now with the way the economy is way, how much things are starting to cost more inflation, yada, 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 not going to go NPR on you. Um, I understand everyone wants more money, but you also have to understand that that company also as well as feeling that inflation as well. They're not, you know, it's not like they're not feeling it. So definitely make sure that you can justify that dollar amount when you go to talk to your superior for a raise or to feel like you're getting paid what you're worth and never, ever, ever, ever go in with a because so-and-so makes this much at this company or or whatever don't use that as your argument you're just going to get tuned out at that point (laughs) but also i guess we'll sorry segue because i know you wanted to talk about pay for me don't ever hesitate to talk about pay either 
I was one that was always hesitant to talk about pay. I was just really glad to get a pay raise or whatever. And I was excited about it. And whatever you handed me, I was excited for because it was better than what I had. Pay raises are always negotiable. Um, Pay is always negotiable. When you are accepting a job, know that pay is negotiable when they are offering you a job. Don't think that just because they hand you a dollar number and say, hey, this is how much we'd like to start you at, that that's all they're going to talk about. No. Most of the time when someone is coming to offer you a job, they're going to see how low they can get you for. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, don't counter them like a $5 difference um, unless you can justify it. Um, Don't be unreasonable because at that point, they're going to think you're a joke. But, you know, when I left... When I left the John Deere construction dealership, you almost said it. Didn't I you? did, because <laughs> um, I was getting so hot about it. Because it does piss me off still. Um, I was probably the senior. There was maybe one more field service manager at that point who was in that role, who was maybe a couple months more, had been there a couple months longer than I had. By that point, everyone else in that office had either been shit canned or had left because mm-hmm. of management. Um, so there was a huge rate of turnover within the three years I had been there. I think we lost like five people, five or six people. Sure. Sure. We'll say that. But, you know, I didn't like to talk about pay. I was just glad I got paid. But when I left and I started to talk with my fellow coworkers about stuff, you know, I had, one of my coworkers who hadn't been there longer than me, and I actually ended up hiring him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had hired him, sat in on his panel interview and everything, and come to find out he was making $7,000 a year more than me. Mm-hmm. And you had been there at least longer. two years longer. Yes, and I was always the one training people. I was always the one helping people. Mind you, he's no longer there either. He fucking bounced. Yeah, no, he left because of management. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> you know, don't just take what they are going to give you, especially if you can back it up and have the documentation to back up why you feel you're worth that. Um, that was definitely a learning curve for me because when I found that out, I was about horrified honestly yeah well one of our jackass friends back home (laughs) i put a questionnaire on instagram (laughs) and ryan i want to slap you still but uh (laughs) you know i put these questionnaires on like hey what do you guys recommend or what do you guys want to talk about next time because the instagram grows so much i want to give everybody a chance to you know give their opinion or you know what they want to discuss or topics or blah 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 and this fool, I shouldn't even give him the time for this, but how did I get my wife to marry me? <laughs> uh, I would show you guys, but we're on a microphone. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a fucking top-notch guy. What can I say? Oh, my God. You know? There ain't nothing bad about me. <laughs> Just kidding. How did I get my wife to marry me? I'll let you take this because I have no fucking idea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, man. I don't... Uh, that sounds bad to say, like, I don't know. But realistically, like, 
if I had to look at it, it, it was truly because of the person that you are. You're extremely hardworking. Um, and I absolutely admire that about you because there's not a lot of people that can, and we won't go too in depth to your whole entire life story. Cause that's obviously that's your business and how you decide to share it. But the shit you've gone through your whole entire life and, and still sometimes go through, I don't know how you do it because I probably would have just been like, fuck all this. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> but, you know, we definitely, I think we met during times when we both weren't really expecting to look for someone at mm-hmm. all. And more than anything, this is a person that had become my friend more than anything. And I think from there, it, it kind of blossomed. Um, yeah, I don't think either of us were looking for a relationship when we started talking. And if we want to be brutally honest here, sorry, throwing you under the bus here. My husband was definitely not looking for a relationship when we first started oh, talking. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just now realized what you're talking. <laughs> uh, my husband's goal and mom and dad, if you're listening to this, just tune out for the next like two to three minutes, God okay? Damn it. <laughs> my husband's goal had been to hit it and quit it and he was going to take a job in san diego um and that was his whole entire goal and did you ever move to san diego in my mind and dreams (laughs) (laughs) Shit. no you moved to texas instead with some crazy lady yeah uh, but you know, to answer Ryan's question of how did you get your wife to marry you? I think it was more, how did I get him to marry me? Because goddamn, I don't know how you put up with me some days. Yeah. She dropped the L bomb like way too early. And... Yeah. My bad. <laughs> he just stared at me. And then, <laughs> and then you said the L word back and on didn't accident. even notice you said <laughs> it and just continued on with your day. And yeah. I wasn't even going to like pointed out to you because I wasn't sure if you would even noticed it or not. That was a weird day. Um, yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm just a top notch guy. Oh God. Anyway, we are, uh, getting up there in time. Um, I'm sorry, fellas, if this isn't the episode that you guys wanted to hear, but, uh, I really wanted to get the wife on and kind of dive into her side you know, with this whole thing and, uh, you know, it's, I I would like to get, like I said before, more female technicians, uh, maybe freaking, uh, wives of field technicians. Cause we like to hear, you know, the wife's side of, uh, the life of a field tech. Yeah, no, I think we were talking about at one point, like having like myself and maybe Trent's wife on an episode and just taking questions from maybe like field technicians' wives Mm. that have questions Mm -hmm. about, you know, and I know that may not be a useful episode for a lot of the field technicians on the certified ranch. It might be though, because you might figure out how to deal with your wife. That's true. Because they're pains in the asses. That's true. And I think Trent's wife would be a good one considering the fact that she's a stay-at-home mom to two kids so yeah. you could hear someone that's a working wife but also a stay-at-home mom wife yeah for sure but uh yeah let's wrap this thing up uh yeah finish laundry and then go barrel racing <laughs> anywho uh we are almost to 900 followers on instagram and i'm thinking 
I am going to do a 1K giveaway as soon as we hit 1,000 followers. What do you, what? Yeah, no, I was thinking, I was just going to say, like, maybe everyone could give suggestions of what they think we should do for, like, a giveaway for 1,000 followers. We've, we have some ideas in our head, but I think we want to get some of your guys' opinions of what you'd like to see from us. Yeah, and we have a new merch line. If you can go check it out, uh, I believe there is a promo code going on right now. I can't remember what the dates are of when it like expires. March 12th or something like yeah, that. I could be wrong. There's a new one. But uh, any any help you know with merch is great because that money goes towards my new computer that I just got that I needed. Um, and it helps with other costs for the podcast, you know, having stickers and stuff made. Subscriptions. Subscriptions. I need... I got to have reviews. Reviews are great. You know, even if you just rate it, you know, five stars, four stars, however you feel about it. But I love seeing comments. I like construction, construction, criticism, constructive (laughs) criticism. Uh, Tell me what I'm doing wrong. You know, I had some guy the other day talk shit about me to me on accident. Oh, that was funny. Stupid ass. (laughs) He went to talk shit about me and ended up sending me the message. How stupid can you be? Whoops. Um, so, you know, but the funny thing is that guy listened to all my episodes and followed me on Instagram. So it must have not been too terrible. <laughs> now, obviously, you know, if there's someone you want to hear from, make sure to reach out to Colton. Yeah. Because you know, we. I have a lot of suggestions from people already, but I've got a ton of people lined up. <laughs> yeah. It's just to be scheduling. It it's scheduling like is the hardest part. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes they come here in person or do over the phone or, you know, I got guys in Canada, Australia that are going to be on, and it's just tough scheduling everything. So, anyways. I feel like if we bring the Aussie one on, that's going to be so much fun. You guys will have to obviously bear with him, though, because he is Aussie, which means you're going to have to figure out Aussie slang. (laughs) Half the shit he says, but... Anyway, if you guys need to get a hold of me, uh, you know the drill. It's uh, my, G- my my Gmail. My email is uh, certifiedwrenchpodcast at gmail.com. The Instagram is certifiedwrench underscore podcast. Uh, now on Facebook, certifiedwrenchpodcast. Anything else? No. I think um, that's it. The merchandise you can find on uh, my spread shop. I don't even remember what the hell it's called. It, it, I have a link. My link tree on the Instagram will take you to it. Um, yeah, anyways, I, I support and uh, thank you guys for listening and I will catch you next time. Toodles. Toodles. <laughs> Thanks, Bye, guys. Y'all.